Angie and Carly, two moms with two kids and two different types of cancer, lung and breast. They first met back in 2003 as AmeriCorps Promise Fellows in Boston, Massachusetts as struggling college graduates trying to find their way. Fast forward 16 years later, Angie's in Switzerland and Carly's in London, and they find their friendship reunited by cancer. Join these moms as they navigate through what it takes to heal themselves while raising kids in an expat world. Hello, hello. Hey, Angie, how's it going? Ah, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, the kids finally went to bed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good thing, I'm telling you. Sometimes that is a chore in itself, isn't it? <laughs> it's a chore every night for me. <laughs> the same, actually. Sometimes I wish, uh, wish I could be doing something else at that time. Um, so yeah, so what have you been up to today? Today, I went to my acupuncturist. Oh, um, I hadn't seen him since 2012 when we were trying to conceive. So, okay. um, yeah, so that was good. And like every time I do acupuncture, I just like fall asleep. And I'm just, I don't know, for me, maybe it's like a sadomasochist thing. I like mm. the of, you know, I don't feel like I have needles or anything in me. I just, it's just relaxing for me. So that was yeah, good. yeah. Yeah. Do you, are you treating some side effects from your drugs that you're on or um, yeah yeah is that what you're on for yeah yeah for the constipation and for like the muscle pain and all of that so that's still a problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think I think I agree with you I think I find it to be quite relaxing actually although it's weird because there's like all these little tiny little needles in you yeah, but you put one like on my forehead and on my skull like like, like in my head and I'm yeah like, oh that's yeah but somehow no. it's relaxing. Maybe it's because we're moms and we're busy. <laughs> it's just sort of a way to venture Anything, out and try yeah, something different. Like lay down and do nothing. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. One of those <laughs> that is what it is. That is what it is. Um, Speaking Cancer Association. I'm so glad okay. I found that um, in my engineer. And um, they helped me out a lot. Okay. What, what services do they offer? What do they do? Yeah, they offer like counseling. They offer yoga classes and Pilates oh. and they do walks and um, walks and talks and they just like know a lot about you know what's going on in Geneva but like in English so I can you know not to say that like I'm, I speak French but it's just yeah you can speak you know like in your native language you, you know you feel like yourself yeah oh cool I was actually um today I had a I had to go for like a lymphatic massage type of thing and uh-huh. um for you know lymphedema as as you know I've told you I've got lymphedema in my right arm and um mm. just trying to manage the condition it's a bit hard in some areas and trying to soften it and hopefully you know get my arm back to being smaller at some stage so, lymphedema um, but, is where you get I don't know if you told me this already and I just forgot because of chemo brain <laughs> yeah yeah well that's, that's fine uh, lymphedema is basically um when so I've had my lymph nodes out so your lymphatic system is actually like an amazing system in the body that you hardly ever learn about to be honest Mm. and I'm not an expert in it so don't obviously quote me everybody um but do your do your research um but anyway um you know you learn when I was in school I remember learning about the circulatory system you know all these sort of things and um basically the lymphatic system sort of drains different sort of fluids around your body and fights infection as well so there's different fluid points going on or what have you and basically what I've got is a a buildup of fluid in my arm so because my lymph nodes have been out in my right arm they they have to figure out how to track through the body a different way and they've not quite figured it out yet Um, so there's a buildup in my arm 
So I go to lymphedema clinic. It's actually run out of like a, a similar sort of thing that you go to in Geneva. It's a place called Cancer Kin or Maggie Centers that are quite popular in the UK. And they offer all sorts of different treatments as well. And basically, um, yeah, they sometimes they I'm doing the massage. So this is my second massage, which is quite relaxing, actually, um, mm-hmm. being that I can't go in a sauna or I can't go in, like, have a proper massage by just somebody that's not trained. So I thought, mm. oh, this is nice. Kind of like being at the spa. But then sometimes I go and they measure it. They usually tell me I've gained a bit of weight. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And, um, <laughs> and then they... Uh, they sort of massage it a bit and try and do things with it. But yeah, I mean, lymph, lymph nodes, I mean, does it hurt on a daily basis? Oh, it does. Yeah. It just gives this like tightening sensation. So yeah, there is a bit of pain. It's almost like when, when you've got, I don't know how to explain it. It's almost like when you're, when you're pregnant and mm-hmm. you know, when your tummy starts to expand Yeah, yeah. and yeah, you're at that, that stage. Cool. Yeah. Like you, that full feeling in your tummy where you're like, I'm going to explode like that weird tightening yeah, thing that goes yeah. with it. So there's a lot of tightening and, and weirdness with it. But obviously it's my right arm. So because I'm right handed, I have to do everything. So if I do writing, that bothers my hand. If I'm on a computer, those sort of things, you know, things that you wouldn't even think of. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So I went there. I was that's in Hampstead, basically, and got stuck in traffic for a bit. I was pretty much late everywhere I went today. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. This. It's so funny that you said that because today on Instagram, I posted on my page this watch that my friend Sanjun got me. And it's a watch okay. that has like the numbers are all like in uh, crumbled up in the corner. And then it says, <laughs> whatever, I'm late anyway. <laughs> exactly. That's how I felt, you know. And you know what, though, with this particular appointment, like this, this appointment is like liquid gold. It's like winning the lottery because there's there's a shortage of, you know, lymph- lymphedema clinics in the country. Yeah. And um you know, you get these appointments and you need to stick to them. So I called them and I said, oh, I think I'm going to be late by about 15 minutes. So if you need to cut my appointment, I get it. But I still need to see you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was that. Luckily, they understood me, though. They were like, hey. But yeah, that was much pretty much my day. I forgot the children's lunch, forgot the backpacks, you know, was late, you know, children screaming, all sorts of things. But anyway, I'm in my chill out mode now. So it's all like calm down. You know, that was that day. So yeah. obviously, I mean, something that brought us together, um, aside from our, you know, our daily, daily whatnots and what's happening, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing is obviously the cancer. Yeah. So we're two moms or expats um, living abroad from our family. Mm-hmm. And basically, we've both been diagnosed with cancer. So I'm, I'm three years out and um, I'm you've been diagnosed <laughs> a month out. So um, I think maybe we should really share with our listeners just and even, you know, just talk with ourselves for ourselves for the sake of ourselves, actually. Yeah. Um, and our listeners about what it was like to be diagnosed. And I like to call it like diagnosis day because it's, it's one of those days. Yeah. D-Day. It's one of those days that you actually remember, like there's certain dates that you remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is just one of those dates. And you think it would be normally you try and remember good, positive things or dates, you know, dates that you enjoy or look forward to but this isn't one that you really look forward to mm. but it has brought us together Angie so we might as well tell the story yeah who wants yeah. to go first rock paper you, scissors <laughs> you go first, I go first um I don't know so that means did you have the did you have the rock over the no I you had the paper over the rock okay that's it yeah. okay <laughs> okay the best of um, one <laughs> yeah yeah no for, for me I mean it's a day I'll always remember because you know it's just like no, no no I will always remember that day just because first of all it's the day before my sister's birthday my youngest sister um, okay and then also like like I remember like to the the time like the doctor walked into the room at 6.03 p.m. 
and you know into the room into into okay. my yeah into my hospital room and every time he's walked into the room he's always just like stood up and you know kind of like leaned against the wall um you know and talked to me oh and this time he, like, pulled the chair. he pulled the chair he sat down he asked me where my husband was and, you know, and I was like, well, I'm talking to him on FaceTime now. And he's like, oh, okay, is he coming? And I'm like, no, he's, you know, um, he has to go get the kids soon. He's asking me all these questions. I'm like, why is he asking me all these questions? And then, he mm-hmm. said, and then I wasn't sitting down. He was just like, okay, can you sit down? I'm like, oh, no, like, why? <laughs> why do I have to sit down? And I could, you know, like you, you can already feel that, like, bad news is coming. Oh yeah, there's. It's like it, it's almost like everything is really calm, <laughs> and yeah. then yeah, yeah, there's yeah. like this stir in the air or something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, but it's funny. Well, actually, you know what? I'm looking at my diary. My do you call it a diary? No, in the UK, a diary is a planner. Yeah, a diary um, is a planner. I don't know what do they call it. Maybe a journal. I don't know. A oh, journal. Yeah, you guys call a diary a journal. But I would say diary because that's what I'm, you know, that's where I was brought yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, 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 there you I'm go. Looking, I'm looking at my diary slash journal. And funnily enough, I made an entry four hours before I was diagnosed. Four hours? No yeah, way. I know. It's really crazy. Really strange. If I can uh, quickly read it, if you want. Yeah, let's see what you're up to four hours before. <laughs> four hours before, yes. So it says May 14th, 2019, 2 p.m., and I was sitting in my room balcony. Like, I, you know, we had like private insurance and I had like my own room and I had a balcony and it was, it was like pretty slinky, actually. <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> I even had like a refrigerator, a small refrigerator. And so my friends would always like bring me avocados and mangoes and stuff and I would. You know, Ooh, like your little yeah, sounds nice. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so I'm in, I'm on, I'm in the balcony, and I wrote, um, I'm having surgery tomorrow. It's a thoracoscopy where I'll be under general anesthesia, and they'll take a piece of my lungs and abnormal cells in the fluids out to finally give right. me a diagnosis. Looking back on things, lipoid pneumonia seems like the best case scenario. So you know, this was when they had diagnosed me with this lipoid pneumonia where they found oils in my right. Lungs. And I say, but when I was diagnosed with that, it seems so tragic. Perspective is such a funny thing. Now that the doctors are talking about cancer, everything seems so much more grave. I always pictured myself spending time with my grandkids, seeing my kids grow into adulthood, and I can't even fathom not being there for them or even having a quality of life reduced to the point where I can't participate in everyday mundane activities. Amaya's teacher (laughs) told my husband she was crying in school yesterday, and I know the kids are affected by my illness. I keep thinking it's going to be over soon, but each time I get better, it gets worse. I have a feeling this is the last big hurdle, and once we have the results from the operation, life will continue. Not as normal, because the days of me taking things for granted are over, but I'll feel like I'll be able to breathe again, both literally and figuratively. My daughter has been writing me these, I call them ransom love notes, where she writes how I'm the best mom because I give her things and she exists because of me. And because she's decided to teach herself how to read and write in both French and English, her French has an uncanny resemblance to Haitian Creole, which is what I grew up with. Um, Liam is more affected by my illness at night when it's bedtime, but I can see him maturing and holding his cry in and trying to be a big boy. So this is what I wrote like four hours before the diagnosis. <laughs> right, yeah. Then, That's quite deep, actually. Yeah. And, you know, because by then, you know, by then they had already started talking about the possibility of it maybe being cancer but they were still like but we in your case we still don't think it is because 
you know, you you really don't fit the profile. And, you know, mm. um, you know, I was expecting them to say something else. So when he said yeah. when he sat me down and said, OK, you know, you have late stage lung cancer. I was just like I was just floored. I was. Yeah. It, it, it must have been a bit of a shock, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You didn't, probably didn't expect that because they were kind of making you not expect it because they didn't expect it themselves. Yeah. It was a complete, a complete um, blur. And actually, real quick, I have an entry from the 15th. So like, so like that night, um, it was 1.13 a.m. In the, and I was in my bed and I, of course, I couldn't sleep. So I made an entry and I'll quickly read it. And then, you know, then. Yeah, cool. I mean, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. So I said, OK, so May 15, 2019, I'm in my bed and it's 1.13 a.m. So the worst case scenario is here and life goes on. At 6.03 p.m., the doctor told me I have late stage lung cancer. I'm still processing. It hasn't really hit me yet. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop and I'm not sure when it will. My husband was on his way to pick up the kids, but he was FaceTiming me. So he heard the conversation. It actually took him a while to process because he heard the doctor say, I have good news. (laughs) And actually the doctor was saying, I have bad news. I called Jenny, my cousin, and we cried. I called Annie, my sister, and we cried. I called Marvin, my brother, and we cried. I called my dad, who was stoic and resolved. He told me that when there seems like there's no way, the Lord will make a way. That's the definition of a miracle, and that's what's going to happen in my case. Mm-hmm. My sister's boyfriend, my friend Licia and her son, my friend Sandrine, they all came over after the news, and it was nice to have them over. My other two friends, Mighty and Vanessa, came over pre-news. This is clearly a new chapter. The nurse, my favorite one, talked to me about the five stages of grief. Number one, denial. Number two, anger. Number three, bargaining. Number four, depression. And number five, acceptance. So I guess I'm saying it hasn't really hit me yet is stage one, denial. I refuse to believe that my lifespan will be cut short and I won't be able to see my kids grow up. But then again, you can see it as having a positive attitude that I know I'll be here for my kids and I will be one of those cancer success stories. I spoke to my friends, Candace and Charlisa, who are our doctors, and she gave me and Jan hope. Because apparently within the past five years, there's been serious advances in lung cancer treatment and I could qualify for an immunotherapy, which responds very well to young, non-smoking females. So all I can do is take this one day at a time, get through the surgery, get through the weight of the genetic testing, get through treatment, which will take about two years and keep living life. And so, yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's still very, very positive for such like a shocking you know, revelation, but I suppose maybe you got to the stage where you've been in the hospital for so long in and out and you kind of wanted to know what, what was what really. Yeah. I I was a little bit relieved. Like, you know, it's like, okay, now we finally know that, okay, it is cancer, but it was still, and I, you know, like it's still, I think to this day, I still haven't, it's still, I still haven't like really processed like, okay, I have cancer. Like I say it Mm -hmm. out loud and I say, you know, and when I tell people, you know, they have all sorts of different reactions. Um, and, yeah. you, can, you know, you can see it. And But, like, when I'm by myself and when I'm, I don't know, like, when I'm just living day-to-day life, I'm just, like, I'm pretty much living how, you know, like, I'm still living and I'm still, you know, it's just, like, day by day. It's, like, okay, you have cancer, but you still have to, like, you know, interact with people and pick up the kids and, you know, cook and, uh, yeah. yeah, just do everyday things. It's like one. It's one of those things where, like, um, I mean, I suppose we're unlucky, you know. And um, 
but at the same time there's still a lot of responsibilities isn't there because we have two small children yeah um so we have to keep going even when we don't want to yeah <laughs> it doesn't like you know you know you might be down or I might be down but the children are going to cry you know mm-hmm. <laughs> or they're going to be unhappy and we have to go and you know make our magic and make them happy again so it, it really is almost like you're stuck in a situation where you can't really be in it because you've got other priorities or other things going on and for I mean, the children and, and how has it been for you because I mean you your D-Day was three years ago yeah so I mean my D-Day was three years ago so I'm not, I'm not sure I shared the, you know, the lead, the run up to it, so to speak. But basically, you know, as a parent, particularly with a baby or what have you, you think, oh, sleep. You know, mm-hmm. I do love um, a bit of sleep. But then in, in my in my case, both of my girls didn't sleep. That was just the way it was. Oh, yeah. Same here. <laughs> so I was like used to it, you know, and I think I was actually quite good on functioning on no sleep. You know, I could get up as long as I got out of the house, went for a walk. I was good, you know. <laughs> Not one of those moms that would be like, oh, my baby didn't sleep. I'm so tired. I'd be like, yep, I'm still going. And I think that's always been my attitude. I'm still going. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm still going to this play group. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we look like we didn't sleep all night. I do not care. We are going to this play group. But anyway, um, you know, I mean, I found my lot basically, you know, because my girls wouldn't sleep. So my Abby basically mm-hmm. sleeps on me. Don't recommend it, what have you. And one night... Yeah, Abby, I finally had got Abby to sleep. I was going to put her back upstairs in her room. Then Mahali came down and I was like, what is this? I need to get to bed. <laughs> and um, lo and behold, when I went to get up off the sofa to go put Abby back in her room, Holly had grabbed, grabbed me and you happened to touch my boob. It was one of those accidental things where she was trying to pull me back. I was like, I'm getting up, you know, mm-hmm. get your sister to sleep. We can't wake everybody up, you know. We're not having a party, I promise you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I felt my lungs in and it, it, it kind of hurt. And I was like, oh, what's this? What's this all about? Because I, I stopped breastfeeding quite early on. So I said, oh, no, this can't be anything breastfeeding mm-hmm. related. Um, but oddly enough, it was the same day. So it was May 1st when I found my lump. And that was the same day that my Aunt Mary had died from colon cancer at the age of 38. Oh, wow. And so because I was 38, you know, in that January, I was like, oh, dear, I think I might need to maybe just keep playing with it, see if it will go away, you know, all those sort of things. And it didn't, but it was a bank holiday weekend, so you couldn't really do much in regard to booking an appointment and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so because I had the, my Aunt Mary in the back of my mind, you know, yeah. it, was, it was lurking around. I was like, I must go to the doctor. This must be the right thing to do. So I rang up the doctor and they wanted to get me in. I think it was like on the Wednesday, but I couldn't go because I had some priorities with the children. But I could go on the Friday when they offered me an appointment. Mm-hmm. And basically went to see my doctor and she was really understanding. Good. She was actually a really good doctor, to be honest, because um, a lot of people in my situation, they would just brush off and say, oh, well, you know, go back home and see me in a month. That sort of a thing. Yeah. Um, because that's often what they do with young people start with that you know women that are diagnosed with breast cancer or have breast cancer and then also if you're breastfeeding or if you have a baby mm-hmm. all the hormonal changes that go with that etc and didn't have any other symptoms so or at least any of that I knew of anyway so she felt the lump and you know I was like oh I'm not used to the examination thing but now I'm like I'm a pro mm. but anyway she um she felt the lump and it was hard and it was mobile so generally when a lump is move and it's not stuck to something they think it's not cancer you know because okay. it's just like something else mm-hmm. but anyway she said well this is this is mobile it moves and it's hard um I don't think it's cancer and obviously I remember those words I yeah. don't think it's cancer oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the back of my mind 
but she says a but, and I thank her. I thank her, you know, every day for this. But I'm going to, um, you know, refer you to the breast clinic. And I was like, all right, what's that all about? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you'll just go and get checked, and they'll do like a mammogram, and you know, they'll do more testing if they need to. And it's like a one-stop shop, kind of like a Walmart, where it'll be done in a day, and you'll have results and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, my mind isn't like, oh, maybe it could be breast cancer. It's like, oh, what am I going to do with the children? <laughs> yeah, forget, yeah, forget that. Am I going to get the children? You know, mm-hmm. where am I going to put them? So I wasn't taking it seriously, to be honest. I was just like, okay, I've done the right thing. I've gone to the doctor. Life goes on as we know it, you yeah. know, sort of thing. And then finally it comes to the day of the breast clinic. And um, it was an appointment at 11 o'clock. So I took the girls to the park in the morning. Mm-hmm. I was like, right, it's nine o'clock. Let's get out of the house because that was always me. I'm like, get out of the house. I don't care what we're doing. We're getting out of the house. Mm-hmm. And so left the house, parked. Nobody was there. Super duper quiet, lovely, gently. I think I took a photo of it, actually. It was a great memory. I can see it in my head right now. Mm-hmm. And then I had dropped Holly off at my friend Tiffany's house. And um, I might have dropped Abby off somewhere as well. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Um, but either way, I went to this breast clinic and maybe with my friend Mary, that's probably who Abby was with. It was it was um it was really busy. So in the UK, once you're a bit up, about the age of fifty or fifty five, I can't remember what it is. You get an annual or a three year mammogram. Um, so it was full of lots of older women, and they brought their husbands, and it was mm-hmm. just very busy, and you know, or hot, hot and blah blah blah. Well, I hadn't brought any food with me. Oh, <laughs> Anything no. like I am going to be in and out. You know, this is me thinking. Wow. Oh, you know, doctor said it's not cancer. It's probably just you know it's movable. Yeah, you know, yeah. me thinking I'm like you know invisible. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I sat there for about an hour and I, I sat next to this lady. So it was really busy, and she was diagnosed with breast cancer like maybe seven, ten years ago. And then she went back in to see the surgeon again, and you know she thought maybe she had it back or what have you. And she mm-hmm. told me these stories, and I was like in tears because her husband left her, and oh, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. <laughs> Uh, and then I, so then finally the doctor calls me in and I go in this room and it's this very like stone doctor mm-hmm. and he's like um yeah how long have you been waiting for and I said well an hour mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, oh, okay that's interesting because no I've not seen any patients for a whole hour oh my god and then god. He, he like stormed out of the room <laughs> and he went and told them he told the receptionist, like he told them off or what have you. And then he came back to me. He examined me and asked me some questions, blah, blah, blah. And then he wrote on a piece of paper or on the computer. I need to get a, an ultrasound or a mammogram of this area on my breast, blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. I, passed, I passed the first stage, man. I was I was moving on up. But I thought I was like moving on up and out. It's like I was going to go home. But mm-hmm. I got it wrong. I got it wrong. So anyway, they... um. Yeah, basically, it's supposed to be this one-stop shopping thing. So because I had forgot my lunch, I was in disarray. This lady got me crying in the waiting room. I was just out of it. Oh, I went to go for the to-, to the toilet, and I lost the piece of paper. What <laughs> 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 happened? And I was like, oh, man, so I went to the x-ray department. I was, I was hoping for a miracle that they would just say, yeah, you can come in without it. But yeah. they said, no, you got to go back up to the doctor <laughs> and get the paperwork. Oh, and I was like, oh, man. So anyway, I went out. Doctor was miserable. He did it for me, and he was not happy. He let me know that that was that. May I never see you again. Mm. And when I said that to myself, I wish I probably wanted to see him again because he's a doctor when you're not diagnosed. But oh. I didn't know that. He's the doctor when you're not diagnosed. Mm. Anyway, went down, had the mammogram, waited, blah blah blah. Then about a week back, 
um, I think it was a week later, I went to the ultrasound because it was too late. Everything else was so I could get it done in one go. Had the ultrasound, lovely radio, radio or whatever you call him, and ultrasound guy, I don't know, mm-hmm. or lady, who knows. Um, but anyway, he did the ultrasound and he kept like doing the biopsies or what have you. I didn't know what was going on. I was just thinking it was all normal. Like, I was just doing his due diligence, you know, mm-hmm. sort of a thing. And I think, um, Probably the bit that struck me is he kept talking about my armpit. And I was like, why is he talking about my armpit? <laughs> it's, like it's a bit swollen. And, um, you know, I tell the story that obviously I was doing Shanti T25 mm-hmm. back on my pre-pregnancy way. I was, you know, banging, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was really proud of my press-ups or push-ups at that time. I was like, it must be the push-ups. It's got to be the yeah. And he's like, yeah, okay. I mean, I'm not sure he bought it, but I was like, okay, I need to kind of like, joke around to take away the nervousness that was going on at the moment yeah yeah um, so like, still you know like, play along with me here please sir yeah, yeah, please play along with me like have a laugh because yeah. you know find something I need to know what, what I'm dealing with but then again I kind of walked away even I suppose after the biopsy stage that no it's not me mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have cancer I was thinking that and I am um, I, I, I just amazed me so I think I had to go back a week or two it was another, again another bank holiday was coming up at the end of May so it was all delayed again. And then on June 3rd, I got, I had an appointment and I was like, right, so what am I going to do? I'll take Abby to the appointment with me because it's, it's, I don't have cancer. I'm just going to walk in and walk out. Mm-hmm. And, um, I still, I don't know. I just had that feeling all the way through. I just, it didn't hit me. I don't know. I was, you know, whatever the doctor said before, this is really sticking with me. Mm-hmm. You know, the love of the move. Um, but anyway, so I brought Abby with me. I'm not sure if I brought her in a baby carrier or my buggy, or maybe I brought both. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so the, when I met with the lady before, you know, when I first was there, and she was telling me this really sad story. And yeah, if you go that way to that door, that's the surgeon. And that's when you know. And I was like, oh, dear. So I was looking at the door. <laughs> oh, my God. I was seeing people that were there, like, you know, throughout the process before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, it's not be me. It's not be me. And I, I got called to that door. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, smack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, oh, what am I going to do? So anyway, I had Abby with me. <laughs> and it was one of those moments. I mean, she was nine months. I was just like, no, it's not me. So I was kind of in, I was in denial. But I I, I met my surgeon then, who was Mr. Aldebasi. Mm-hmm. I not say his name. And, um, yeah, he told me that I had cancer and blah, blah, blah. And. I think I was in shock. Yeah, you have um, to be. Like, I mean, I was carrying my baby, and I think he felt sorry for me. Oh, <laughs> and, you know, the, the McMillan did nurse. You, did you, did you cry? I definitely cried. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I probably I had stayed there for a bit, and I definitely cried. But I was like, you know when you're, you're that mom, and you're like, I mustn't cry in front of my children. Yeah, <laughs> Even though she yeah. was a baby and didn't really... She could probably sense it, but she didn't really know. You know what I mean? Mm. But I did cry, actually. And I can't remember. I was probably holding her, and I kept looking at her. And, um, you know, when he told me that, I was just like, what the? You know, I was just yeah. in shock. It was like total shock. And I, I didn't plan it because I went by myself because I was like, no, nah, it's not me. That sort of a thing. Mm. And, um, you know, I just sort of said to myself, all right, Carly, you better pull it together. <laughs> you know? Yeah pull this together and then I said right you know I've had a, an interesting experience trying to get to this stage you know um, I know that I have for a fact I know that my husband has health insurance through his work you know do you do private health insurance yes he said yes I was like oh fantastic you know and then he said he could get me in the next day for an appointment which is brilliant at his clinic 
in um, Hertfordshire. And then, um, I mean, the other thing that I told them that I think is kind of stayed true to today, actually, so it's three years on, is that I said, look, you know, the only person that I've ever really trusted in my life is my mom, because <laughs> she gave birth to me. <laughs> you know, that was my wife. <laughs> I don't trust, you know, trusting somebody in my life is like kind of a big deal to me, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, Talking about trust, we're going to have to pause just because we're going to get caught up. Cracking Cancer Chit Chat is where we are at, folks. Keeping it real and letting you in on how we really feel. It ain't easy for us, and we hope you never join our cancer team. Know what we mean? But if you or yours do, we're here for you. So check yourself and be the best version of you. It's all all you you can do. do. Bye, okay. Angie. Yeah. Bye. That, was, that wasn't okay. too bad, actually.